praise the Lord and good morning and welcome to New Life. I'm Pastor David Kufall and uh, we're so glad that you can join us either at Facebook Live or here at YouTube and now live at YouTube. Um, if you're at Facebook and you want to see all the slides I prepared with the scriptures, um, go over to our YouTube page and uh, you'll get everything that the folks here at the church is getting. And uh, so we just want to praise the Lord. Also, I want to welcome everybody who's listening um, via our podcast and on our many, many podcast channels. Welcome this morning. This, of course, New Life. I'm Pastor David Kufal. We are located at 1021 South Center Street in Wapiton, North Dakota. So I'm telling you, if you live in the tri-state area, come and come on over and uh, visit us sometime. And we would love to have you, but we're, we love having you with us right now. Um, eventually, we are going to um, be filming a intro so I don't have to get, do that at every service. And so I'm hoping that we can do a pretty cool slide intro presentation so that we'll look like we actually know what we're doing. And so, um, and, uh, but slowly, you know, sometimes you rush and do things and then you're not happy with what you got and then everybody goes, well, why are they keep changing? No, 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 we like to do things right. And so we've been working on it and so, we're just praising the Lord. Next thing we're doing is we're going to be buying um, better cameras. And so everything to make um, your experience with us even better. Because I know there's a lot of you. I got folks in Florida now and folks in Pennsylvania now. And of course, our two up in Canada that we know of. And, uh, um, and so we enjoy having our Canadian friends join us and, uh, and everybody around the country who joins with us every Sunday and Thursday night. Amen. So today I want to speak to you about Easter. You're going, well, of course you are. It's Easter. But what I want to talk about Easter, the greatest day the world has ever known, because it changed everything. It changed everything. And we're going to be in the book of Mark. Uh, Mark 16, so if you've got your Bibles at home, um, turn um, to Mark 16. If you've got the correct Bible, it's on page 704. <laughs> and so I stole that from somebody. I was watching a camp meeting, and I stole that from somebody, and uh, I thought that was cute, so I had to borrow it. But before the first Easter... Before the first Easter, there was no real hope, an everlasting hope. But because Jesus died on the cross and was res resurrected, that all changed. Hope became real, and it became an everlasting hope that is only found in Jesus Christ. I, I worked for several years at the hospital here in our community. And uh, um, when I was working there, we were like family there. And I worked as uh, the on-call chaplain. And I could always tell somebody who knew Jesus when they died and somebody who didn't know Jesus when they died. And I never went and told their family they didn't know Jesus, but I always knew. It was the way their family mourned. 
those who had hope in Jesus Christ, it was sad, they cried, but we would pray a prayer of thanksgiving that we knew their mom or their brother or, you know, their dad. And we would pray this thanksgiving prayer and say, thank you, Lord, that we're going to see him again. And then I would always tell them, they're probably up there telling Jesus all about you and uh, just bragging on you. I know when Sister Doris died, I know she was just bragging on us all and then asking where the kitchen was so she could bake peanut butter cookies, you know. But, that's, but then those who didn't know the Lord, oh, the morning was deep. It was sorrowful. There was no hope of resurrection. There was no hope of seeing each other again. They can't, they were, you know, but where I worked at the hospital, everybody went to heaven, so we never told anybody where anybody and it was not my business to tell them you know my business was to help comfort and and help touch their hearts salvation came to the world through jesus christ and it was freely given and all you have to do is believe we are all saved by faith in christ jesus ephesians 2 8 and 9 says for by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourself it is a gift of god not of works, lest anyone should boast. You see, you can't work your way to heaven. You can't be good enough to get into heaven. You must do something with Jesus. You must accept him into your heart. You must ask him for forgiveness. You must go ahead and say, Lord Jesus, be my Lord and Savior, and I'm going to serve you. Amen? Jesus' work on the cross broke the stronghold of sin and death and the grave. He died for you so you can be saved. But you have to accept him and believe that he died for you. Jesus didn't stay in the grave. He rose from the dead. He got out of the tomb. And this shows us we can have a new life in him. But, all you, but you need to believe in the resurrection to be saved. Jesus is alive, and he wants to live in your heart. Romans 10, 9 through 13 makes this so plain and so simple. How do you get saved? You know, most religions, you've got to do a lot of work to make sure you make it. I mean, you might have to knock on 100 doors and sell so many magazines. Um, you've run into them, right? And, and, or, or you might have to go on a journey away from home and get on your bicycle and pedal all over town and talk to all sorts of people and raise so much money in order to get to heaven. There's a famous family in the nation and two of their brothers are deaf. If you know anything about pop music, you can probably figure out who this is because two of their brothers are deaf. They never performed with them. Because why? Because they're deaf. They would have had to come up with a brand new sound if they sang with them. What, and we all love the family. They got the shiniest white teeth in the whole wide world, all of them, right? Well, their brothers couldn't do the missionary journey because they were deaf. And so the rest of the brothers and sister went ahead and told their church, we will pay all the money and then some so they don't have to. And so now they get to go to heaven because somebody else paid their bill. Um, how does that work? The gospel is freely given, right? Jesus laid down his life. He didn't charge us for it. He paid our debt so that we didn't have to pay it. And he made it so simple to get saved. 
Listen to what Romans 10, 9 and 13 says, 9 through 13 says, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. Religious and non-religious. Get it? For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. Then verse 13 says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall, not maybe, not could be, shall be saved. You see how simple it is to come to know Jesus Christ? And I believe that some people don't come to believe in Jesus because it's too easy. I should have to do more than that. No, he never meant to make it hard. It was supposed to be simple. I did the work. He just says, take up your cross and follow me. He says, never get nailed to your cross. He says, I did that. He says, take my, give me your burden and take my burden because my burden is light and easy. And I'll carry your burden, which is wearing you down. He makes it so simple. All we need to do is have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by him. Can you say amen? amen. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for this message today and I thank you for your anointing my life, Lord, to preach this word. Let me speak only the words you would have me to speak. And Holy Spirit, please touch every heart here today. Lord, we need you more. We need a real encounter with you today. We need a real encounter with you in our lives. So Lord, fill us with your spirit. Have your way in this service. And I thank you, Lord, for touching everyone here and our, in our campus and those who are watching on their devices. We thank you, Lord, that you are our risen Savior. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, an encounter with Jesus will change your life. An encounter with Jesus will change your life. First thing you need to know is God's going to provide all that you need. The women are going to the tomb this morning, and let, let's, let's look at um, Matthew 16, starting in verse 1. Hmm? Mark. Mark 16, starting in verse 1. The, the notes are behind me. <laughs> I got the right page here, though. Now, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away. 
for it was very large. You know, these women were not expecting the resurrection. No. What was on their minds? It says they were saying amongst themselves. It wasn't a casual thing. It wasn't like my mother-in-law getting together with her friends and saying, hmm, I wonder who's going to do this and that for us today. And then they go on and talk about something else. No, what this is, when you look at the Greek, what the women were saying, they kept on saying it all. Who's going to roll away the stone? I don't know. We should have got the boys here. But they didn't want to come. They're hiding. Oh, who's going to roll that stone? Maybe the guards will get that moved away for us. Who's going to roll it away for us? Especially since the tomb was sealed. One of the other Gospels tells us that the Jewish leaders went to Pilate and Pilate ordered that the tomb would be sealed. So what they did is when they rolled the stone in front of the door, they took hot wax and they completely sealed the tomb. So now it was even harder to open. And you were going to need to get some burly men. You know, some Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan and, you know, and The Rock and then some of their friends even after that to come. Uh, maybe the defensive line of the Vikings. No, you need a better line than that. The, <laughs> so, um, and to come and, well, at least last year. <laughs> All you Vikings friends, they've improved. Improved so much the coach wants to stay. Anyway, um, <laughs> we'll see. But the women were wondering, who's going to roll this stone away? But God provided, didn't he? God provided that. They came to anoint the dead body of Jesus. But like most things, God had other plans. You know, we plan, God laughs. It, it never ceases to amaze me. Last night, we had all these chores to do, and the kid, and uh, um, we had the Easter egg hunt, and um, my wife took our son to the Easter egg hunt, and uh, again, I have to brag on our children's pastor. She did an awesome job, and uh, Timey did an awesome job, and next year we're expecting even bigger, and uh, we're going to use the same venue, and um, it was just great and one of these days we're going to have vacation bible school in the same spot and uh, i think it's just going to be awesome because we want to get out in the community the church is not the four walls the church is you and me because we have jesus in us we are the temple of the holy spirit it's not the building right so we want to get out there i want to get angel involved of course angel if he gets involved he's going to be out there catching ducks <laughs> Of course, the little kids will think that's cool. The folks over at the zoo won't be so happy, but that's a different story. <laughs> they came to anoint that dead body. You know, if they believed Jesus' word about his resurrection, they wouldn't have had to waste their money on the spices. Did you ever think about that? They had to buy special spices, very expensive spices, to bury, because you see, when Jesus was born, yes, the wise men came and gave him frankincense and myrrh, but I'm sure Joseph sold them for their trip to Egypt. Right? And they had to live in Egypt for a while. And so he had to go to Egypt and set up business as a carpenter there until the Holy Spirit told him it's okay to come back home because Herod's dead. And so they had to get the spices. The frankincense, the myrrh, and 
make sure they had gold coins to put on his eyelids. Of course, that would have been taken care of by um, the men who buried him. Of course, they were wealthy, so they could afford it. But you've got to understand, these ladies are poor except for Mary Magdalene. She's the only one who has money amongst them. That's why she was called Mary Magdalene. She was named after, her last name was after the town. She was a wealthy lady. It pays to have faith and believe in God's word. Jesus says, I'm going to have to die, but I'm going to rise again. He says, just like Jonah being in the belly of the fish for three days, and then the, the fish spit him out on dry land, right? It's just like, you know, why? why can't, he tried to make it so they could understand, and they just didn't believe. All they could see is Jesus died, and they're sorrowful. Well, then we run into this angel, the testimony of the angel, and what does he say? He is risen. He is not here. Verse 5. In entering the tomb, in entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in white, long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee where you will see him as he said to you. So they went quickly and fled from the tomb for they trembled and were amazed and they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. You know, Jesus always keeps his word. If he tells you something, you can bank on it. He always keeps his word. If he says he's going to save you if you believe in him, believe in him. If he says you're going to escape hell if you believe in him, believe it. He doesn't go ahead and say jokes on you, right? He never plays April Fool's jokes on us. By the way, did you know there's a holiday for atheists? They're always complaining about all of our holidays, don't they? I, it doesn't matter whose holiday it is. They're always complaining about everybody's holiday. They're, they're the biggest party poopers around, right? Well, did you know there's a holiday for atheists? And it comes, on, it comes around every year on the same day, April 1st. For the Bible says only a fool would say there is no God. I thought you liked that one. Facebook is a joke. Come on. <sighs> I'm sorry. The angel says to them, You seek. Jesus always keeps his work. The work of the resurrection had to be completed. 
and death had to be defeated. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen, the angel said. Without a doubt, that is the greatest statement in the annals of human history. Why he is not here speaks of victory over death, hell, and the grave. And that's with the crucifixion won the battle. But the resurrection brought defeat completely to death, hell, and the grave. You see, there's a worse death than dying physically. It's a spiritual death. And the spiritual death sends you to hell. And you can choose not to go to hell. It's your choice. God never sends anybody to hell. We choose, our, choose to send ourselves to hell, see, when we don't believe in Jesus. God doesn't want to send anybody to hell. He says, I created that for the devil and his angels. I never created it for human beings. But we choose to go to hell ourselves if we don't choose Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. And how, you know what? Everybody here who owns a house has fire insurance, right? Why not make, a, make sure you have fire insurance for your soul? Come on. Make sure you don't have to go to hell. Hell's a real, the party is not going to be in hell. I've heard people say that, you know, the rock and roll culture. Oh, the party's going to be in hell. You know, all that's nonsense. Even Alice Cooper doesn't believe that anymore. <laughs> Alice Cooper's gone back to his roots. You know, his daddy was a preacher. The party's going to be in heaven. Like I said the other night, I haven't been to a wedding feast yet that wasn't a party. I mean, you don't go to a wedding feast and just stand around and go, and being, oh, this is so boring. No, I've never seen it. I mean, there's good eats. People are having a good time. There's even dancing. I mean, come on. And the Bible says that after the church is raptured, we're going to be at, the, all the Christians are going to, while everybody else is going through the tribulation, the Christians are going to be at a wedding feast. Oh, my word, now that's, and it's going to last seven years. How cool is that? And the fruit of the vine is going to be on the tables. How do I know that? Because Jesus promised he'll never taste the fruit of the vine until the day that we partake of it there in heaven with him. Another thing, he limits himself because he loves us. You know, when Jesus went back, rose from the dead, he came out in a resurrected body. See, when he left heaven, he was a spirit. But he wants to identify with us for eternity. So when he resurrected out of the grave, he came out in a resurrected body. He was no longer flesh and blood. He was flesh and bone. His Father is a spirit. The Holy Spirit is a spirit. But Jesus is flesh and bone. He decided for eternity he was going to limit himself as a, in the form of a human being for eternity because he loves us that much. He could have gone back and just been spirit with the Father and, and the Holy Spirit. Nope. And he says, you can be just like me. Man, we won't get perfect until we get to heaven. <laughs> Why? Because we live here. Come on. You, you get to the four-way stop at Breckenridge and somebody doesn't know what they're doing. Come on, turn already! And you start losing your sanctification. Come on, right? Or you're in the left-hand turn lane 
and you want to turn, and the semi starts turning into you anyway. I'm the only one sitting there. Can you let me turn? And then you have, but no, you got to start backing up. Otherwise, he's going to roll over you. Or you're just getting up there, and you're late getting someplace, and the gates come down for the train. And they're on the wrong track, so they're going super slow. And it's the longest train you've ever seen. <sighs> and finally, if you don't have any patience, you just do a Yui there and you drive around town. <laughs> I did that once. I drove around, drove around town, and you can ask Bodie, and we caught another train on the south <laughs> I can't win. <laughs> we'll be perfect when we get, we'll be fully sanctified. We'll be fully perfect when we get to heaven because we'll have a brand new body that doesn't know how to sin. See, since we were born here, our bodies are addicted to, uh, we can get addicted to a lot of things, can't we? Coffee. You know, you can't live without water. You know why? Because water is good to make coffee. <laughs> but when we are born into this world, we're born addicted to sin. And that's all Adam and Eve's fault. And the reason why we need to be perfect when we get to heaven, because when we walk up to Adam, we don't want to punch him. <laughs> because if we weren't, can you imagine if we went there now just like this and we didn't get a brand new body and we didn't go up there and be fully sanctified? Can you imagine how many times Adam would be punched in the mouth? <laughs> you, you allowed cancer to come in the world and, and, and you know cancer does to our family members and you allowed that. Oh, you idiot! Pow! And he'll probably look at Eve and say, how many times am I going to get punched in the face? <laughs> And she's probably thinking to herself, I'm so glad they forgot it was me who gave it to you. <laughs> of course, man, we wouldn't be punching her anyway. That's why he's getting punched. <sighs> but no, that's not what happens when you're a Christian. You get to heaven and all that is gone and you've you got to love. And so you've got to even love Adam. And you go up and say, Adam, I forgive you, even though you messed everything up. You know, and uh, but you know, for the first ten thousand years, we're going to hang out around the throne of grace and just to be with Jesus. You know, we we want to hear those words when we get to heaven. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Praise the Lord. Jesus himself shows himself to Mary Magdalene and the two on the road to Emmaus. Verse nine. Now, when he had rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told, she went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. Hmm. Those are the apostles. Those are the disciples. Oh, by the way, I just have to mention the reason why the women went away from the tomb and they didn't say anything because they were fearful 
it wasn't because they were wimps. No, they were afraid somebody would accuse them of stealing Jesus' body, and they would be in trouble for it. So they didn't say anything, even though they were told to go tell the disciples. They weren't told to go tell everybody, just go tell his disciples, right? But they were afraid somebody would. But now Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene, she goes to tell them because, listen, Jesus appeared to her before he even appeared to the 11, didn't he? She was there, if you read the book of Matthew, she is in the garden just weeping and crying and just snot coming out of her nose. You know how it is. She forgot to bring her Kleenex with her. And so she's just a mess. And Jesus walks up. And she supposed he's the gardener because she's so... Did you ever get to crying so bad you can't really see straight? You know? And you're, she doesn't recognize who Jesus is. And then he says her name. And all of a sudden she realizes... It's Jesus, and she went from deep mourning to overwhelming joy, and she wanted to grab a hold of him. And because Jesus had cast out all those demon, gives, demons, gives us a hint as to the cause of her love and devotion to him. She is actually counted as one of his disciples. Jesus wants to set you free today, just like he did Mary. So just give him your heart and watch what he will do. Yeah, she goes and tells the disciples and they don't believe her. Just think it's idle tales. Now how about those two on the road to Emmaus? Verse 12. After that he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Hmm. Jesus appeared to them in another form in the Greek text, literally says, in a different outward expression or appearance. And this is given in full detail in the book of Luke 24, 13 through 35. And I learned something about these two that I never knew. I have preached about the, the road to Emmaus. I've preached it here at our church years ago. The road to Emmaus. And, and, and uh, I learned about something about these two. I bet you didn't know this either. It is believed that these two were Cleophas. Well, that doesn't mean that much to you. And the other man was Dr. Luke. And so Dr. Luke, just like John in his gospel, didn't mention himself by name. He just always called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. I guess when you write your own gospel um, account, you get to say, I'm, out of all the 12, I was the one he loved. Well, and it's proved out because of the book of Revelation, John the apostle, John the disciple, John, the, the writer of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and Revelations, he is the only one of the disciples who did not die as a martyr. He died in his own bed of old age. All the rest of them were martyred. Doubting Thomas, they say he died in India. The Indians there, the people of India, threw poison darts at him, put him against the wall, and threw, that's before gunpowder, so they did, you know, that was their firing squad so they shot him through up of 
poison darts. James, John's brother, he was, he was beheaded. You know, Peter hung upside down on the cross. Most people don't know his wife was on a cross next to him. When we studied the book of First and Second Peter here in our church, we learned that um, church history teaches that she died right alongside him because she went everywhere with him as he preached. Um, Paul, of course, was beheaded because he was a Roman citizen. That was the way you were, you, they couldn't kill you any other way. Well, they would offer you, you could kill yourself, but that would have been a sin. So they gave Paul a few seconds to, to make up his mind. You're going to take the dagger or what? You know, while the soldier behind him had his sword drawn. Paul just wanted to see Jesus. <laughs> what did Paul say? For me to die is gain? Why is that? Because we get to see Jesus. So in this cancer culture, my word, let's just take a stand for Christ. You know, if Paul could, if, if the early church folks could face all these great things, can we just face up to the cancel culture? And maybe enough of us would stand up to the cancel culture folks. They would cancel themselves. Wouldn't that be nice? Aren't you tired of it? My word. Is anybody going to stand up for Pepe Le Pew? You know, they want to cancel him now, too. A cartoon skunk. Come on. Yeah, what? <laughs> Jesus went out of his way to see Mary. Jesus went out of his way to see Luke and Caiaphas. And don't be surprised that the Lord Jesus Christ would go out of his way for you. You might be facing some stuff you haven't shared with nobody. Maybe just your husband or your wife. And maybe you haven't even told your spouse yet. Don't be surprised Jesus wouldn't go out of his way for you meet you right where you are at in prayer and touch that need that you have. Luke and Caiaphas, they were discouraged. We're out of town. We're going home. Jesus meets them. Um, Luke, I still got work for you to do. I got a whole gospel you got to write. How else will we have known about the angels at his birth and the shepherds out in the field? I mean, what? how could have Linus answered Charlie Brown, for heaven's sakes. Does anybody know what Christmas is all about? And then Linus quotes the book of Luke. Jesus had a job for him to do. You can't go home yet, Luke. There's this guy who's going to get saved named Paul, and you're going to have to follow, go with him on all of his missionary journeys and write it down in the book of Acts. He went out of his way for Mary Magdalene. Don't you think he's going to go out of his way for you? And then verse 14. Jesus appears to the disciples and commissions them and gives us our great commission. In other words, our purpose for being. And he says, go. Verse 14. 
Later, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table. And he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. The disciples have placed themselves in a position of disbelief. Disbelieving two different sources, two witnesses. I know there's three, but two witness accounts. That Jesus had risen from the dead. Moses wrote in the law that I could not go ahead as a judge and convict you of a crime or of murder if there was no, not two witnesses of the fact that you did it. It couldn't be hearsay. It couldn't be, well, it looks like you did it. No, there had to be two witnesses. Jesus provided his own witnesses. Mary, here I am. Now go tell them. Cleophas, Luke, here I am. Go tell them. And the disciples thought it was idle tales. No wonder Jesus rebuked them so strongly. The repeated unbelief of the apostles viewing the resurrection as idle tales destroys the, the theory that they invented the resurrection. No, Jesus showed up very much alive. Verse 15 proves that the gospel of Christ is not merely a Western gospel, but it is for the entirety of the world. What did he say? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Young man down in Tennessee in Oliver Springs no common sense whatsoever. He just was a backwoods boy. And, and he felt like he was called to preach. Show up to church barefoot, wearing coveralls, you know, coming in there. And he told his pastor, Dr. Raby, I believe God has called me to preach the gospel. And Dr. Raby says, that's okay, boy, that's all right. You got some growing to do, and we'll see, we'll see. He didn't put too much stock in it because he knew the boy. Well, one day he was driving down the country road, and he sees the boy out in the pasture with his Bible out there, on a log, uh, sitting on top of a log that he made into a makeshift um, pulpit. And the boy was out there just preaching up a storm to a bunch of cows. Dr. Brady just pulled his car over and just shaking his head what is he doing now so he gets out of his car walked over to the fence boy get over here this is a true story by the way boy get over here this is not one of those evangelistic stories this is i got this right from dr raby he says boy get over here and he walked up to dr what in the world are you doing he says well you won't let me preach and the bible says to preach to every creature then that's what i'm doing out here in the in the pasture 
<laughs> Dr. Ravy just laughed. He says, okay, boy, we're going to start working with you. You see, that young man didn't care how ridiculous it looked. The Bible says preach to every creature. He was going to do it. Dr. Ravy says, if he's going to preach to a bunch of cows who can't understand a thing, I guess I could use him. And he got him, and the boy turned out to be a great preacher. Got him an education, and, uh, and he turned into something. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Preaching is God's method. It is imperative that every single person have the opportunity to hear the message of the cross that Jesus saves this is the responsibility of every believer to share the good news of the gospel. That is why it's called the Great Commission. And we are told, all of us, to go. You don't have to be called to be a preacher, an evangelist, or a teacher. But we all have the responsibility to be a witness of Jesus Christ. To at least tell somebody what Jesus has done for us, for you. Do you know that over 50% of evangelical Christians today don't even know what the Great Commission is? What in the world is being preached if they don't know what the Great Commission is? Every evangelical Christian should know what the Great Commission is. They said, I've never heard of it, according to the Pew Report. That is sad. And then we wonder why the church is in the condition it is today and why our nation is such a mess. How will they hear unless they have a preacher? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Besides, I'll tell you what, the biggest rush you could ever have is leading somebody to Christ. It is the greatest rush you could ever have. Not because you did anything special. It's because somebody has met Jesus. You know, everybody who gets saved, a party happens in heaven. Jesus told the story about the woman who lost some coins. And she went through the whole house cleaning. She couldn't believe it. She, she needed that money. And she starts turning the house upside down and cleaning. She goes to every corner and finally she finds the money and what relief. And she's so happy she, over money that she found, she calls all her friends and they have a party because she found the money that she so desperately needed. Okay, and Judy would have all her girlfriends over to her house drinking coffee. <laughs> She'd tell Barb, bring some of that sponge cake. Right? But in heaven, when a lost soul comes and to Jesus Christ, the angels in heaven rejoice. So when you got saved, you caused a celebration in heaven. And if you would give your heart to the Lord, you would cause a celebration in heaven. Isn't that cool? So in conclusion, will you believe Will you believe? Mark 16, 16 says, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. 
And this baptism is talking about is not water baptism. It's talking about the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And this is the baptism of the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit grabs a hold of you and he washes you clean in the blood of Jesus. That's the baptism he's talking about. Read Mark chapter 6. I mean, Romans chapter 6, you'll learn more about it. But he baptizes them, baptized you in the blood of Jesus. Some of us, he had to get a washboard and start really scrubbing. And you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> it probably was me. And he really, <clears throat> of course, I got saved at five. So I don't know how much, he, but anyway, he really... And he washes us clean in the blood of Jesus. He takes our heart that is black with sin and turns it white as snow. He takes a stony, hard heart and he softens it. Maybe you never understood why your heart is so soft. Could be because you asked Jesus into your heart. Will you believe? Will you believe? Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Well, Lord Jesus, I thank you and praise you for this time together here on this Easter morning. I thank you, Lord, that you touch us and bless us. But thank you, Jesus, you died on the cross so that we could be saved. And Lord, you came up in the resurrection and completely defeated sin well, you defeated sin on the cross, Lord, but you defeated death in the grave in the resurrection, Lord. And Lord, you are our first fruits of that we shall rise as well. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for our salvation. Lord, fill everyone here with more of your love for others. And Lord, fill everyone with your Holy Spirit. Lord, have your way in our lives and use us to be a witness, to be a reflection of you so that we draw others to Christ, Lord. We praise you for this in Jesus' name. And if you haven't asked Jesus into your heart, what are you waiting for? He paid it all for you on the cross. He did it all for you. He wants to save you. He wants to change your life. He paid the debt that only that you could never pay. And he did it freely and he counted it all joy, the Bible says. It's hard to understand how dying on that cross could bring joy to our Savior, but he, it did. He counted it all joy so that we could be saved. Will you give Jesus your heart today? Make this Easter the most wonderful Easter ever by giving Jesus your heart. Just pray with me this simple prayer, if you would. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sins. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose from the grave. And I thank you, Jesus, for loving me so much. And thank you that heaven is now my destination. And thank you, Lord. You will help me through this life. In Jesus' name, amen.
folks who are watching me, those who are here usually hear me say this, but if you're watching me the first time, that prayer is not a magic formula. It's believing in what you said. If you really, really believed in what you just prayed, welcome to the family of God. There's no magic formula. It's just believing. If we only believe, he is able to save us. Well, we are so glad you joined us. We will see you um, this coming Thursday at 6.30. The rest of us, I'll see you at 6 o'clock. Uh, Wednesday night, uh, of course, at uh, 6.30, we have our Awana, our children's program. Um, bring out all your kids, and uh, you, they will be blessed and have a great time. Amen. Um, so God bless you. We're, again, we're located at 1021 South Center Street in Wapiton, North Dakota. God bless you for now.